0: Or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy.
1: The Matchups, the Superstars the games starting defense place at the table this is football sunday on the fan a comprehensive look at today's national football league action with your hosts mike lynch and rashad taylor you all know what you have to do remember no one and i mean no one comes into our house and pushes us around this is football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan
2: Well, how about that? It is a football Sunday. We are back from our one-week hiatus, by the way. Man. I and there's college football to talk about.
3: I, I, it kind of sucked. First duck game of the year. We didn't even get a chance to dive in, dissect, talk about, you know, criticize, praise. We didn't get a chance to do any of that stuff. Well, guess what? We get to do, do it is. today. That's why I'm excited, man. Yay.
2: I can tell you're excited. You don't sound very excited. Can you,
3: can you tell in my voice? I, can, I
2: cannot tell. The, ni- the 9 a.m. Sunday morning uh, no. voice is loud and clear right now. <laughs> no, seriously,
3: I'm, I'm, I'm overcome with joy.
2: So excited. Can't wait to talk Ducks football. <laughs> and Beeves football, for that matter. Uh, yeah, actually, I am very excited. One of my favorite things about this show during football season is getting to be the first show to react to Beeves Ducks on Saturday. Very true. And it's fun, like pre-gaming stuff is fun and like it's interesting because you're talking about the upcoming games and you could do the fantasy stuff which we very much enjoyed doing but reacting to the games is so much better because you actually have things to talk about that are like that actually happened yeah. it's not just this amorphous blob of a well this will happen here or this might happen here it's just like oh no this happened and
3: especially because this is the one one sport in in the state that really matters like everybody loves football not everybody loves the blazers you know m- most people do but not everybody you know football is one of those things and ducks and beeves, you're covering all bases when you talk about it. So to be able to be the first ones to kind of dive into it before, you know, Isaac and Suit get a hold of it or before, you know, Dustin and Cam in the morning or anything like that, that's definitely helpful.
2: Well, I want to start normally we start with the Ducks, but we have to start with Oregon State today. And we will get to the beefs here in one second. You can text us 503-250-1080. Uh, and then you can find us on social media at Ten Eighty The Fan on Twitter. I'm at Mike Lynch Twenty Seven. Rashad's at made Five Zero Three. Joe is here behind the glass at Joe Fish Three F I S C H. Okay, Ducks. Next segment. Don't worry, Ducks fans. We'll talk about Oregon's big win, closer than expected, but big win over Wazoo yesterday. Next, we have to start with the Pac-12 refs hosing Oregon State last night. Now, it didn't necessarily cost the Beavs the game because there was still time left in the fourth, and there were a couple of drives, and the Beavs had chances to win. But I am viewing it as if the refs cost the Beavs the game because not only did it kill momentum, it completely flipped the field, it took away an obvious scoring opportunity for the Beavs, and it was horrific. If you didn't get a chance to watch the game, Here is the situation. We are in the fourth quarter. It is 24-21 Washington. Oregon State has the ball third and goal, or I guess third and and one from the five-yard line. Jamar Jefferson has been unstoppable again, especially on this drive. I don't think Jebbia threw the ball more than twice on this drive. Third and one, Jefferson runs right side. Looks like on TV he gets the first down. Sometimes the angle can be deceiving, especially at the goal line area, because you're looking at it from behind. You're not getting the side view like you do midfield. But it looked like he got the first down pretty easily. They call the ball a little bit short. They bring out the chains. It's like inches. It's like five chain links on the on the chain. Really, really, really close. Okay. I think that was the wrong call, but I guess I could see why it'd be debatable. It was a little bit close. Fourth and inches, they go for it. They don't try to tie the game. They go for it. Jamar Jefferson runs left side. His entire body falls over the line of scrimmage. It's clearly a first down. The announcers say it's a first down. They cut away from the spot. They go to commercial and you're like, okay, commercial comes back. Bees will be first and goal from the four down by three chance to take the lead. Washington cannot stop the run game. They will take the lead. Je- Jefferson's going to run it in. That's kind of how I was viewing it. I'm assuming most Beavs fans are viewing it that way too. We come back from commercial, and they cut to the chain gang again. And I went, why is the chain gang out there? And the ball was in the same spot it was the previous down. It was five chain links short. And watching the replay, his entire body fell across the first down line. They said they reviewed it. They said spot confirmed. And I went, what is happening here? How could you review that and put the ball in the same spot that you did? Washington then proceeded to take the ball down the field. I think they wound up having to punt on that drive, but it pinned the bees at the one yard line. It was a great punt. It pinned them at the one yard line on the very next drive. They had tried to go 99 yards. They could not. Um, (laughs) I was sitting there just completely baffled. I mean, you've seen bad calls. You've seen borderline calls that you disagreed with. His whole body was over the first down line twice and they called them both short and I just don't understand I don't understand
3: no th- I mean
2: it's frustrating it's
3: it's really frustrating when you're watching a good game and mind you I didn't I didn't see the Beavs game um but didn't actually hearing about it and stuff when you're when you're watching these games the last thing you want to do is see the referees decide like the game it's and this I'm not going to say that was a a game deciding call but it, it it if you're the bees right now it could have been but the beavers also had a chance what was to the win final the score
2: 27-21. 27 21 you're right but if you scored that touchdown it's 2824
3: you're right you're right but the Bees also had an opportunity a couple opportunities after that to make it right and they did. and they didn't and they couldn't pull it off especially towards the end of the game with what a a minute so a little over a minute left to play in the game and you could make a play down the down the field I think that was The big issue like so yes those things suck especially when like I would rather this happen at the beginning of the game middle of the game than the end beginning of the end that's when all of a sudden now now it's controversy because you don't want that call ask the Saints you don't want that call to be what ends your season right or to end the end the game or especially a close game and this is a game the Beavers obviously really needed after dropping their one last week you wanted to come against UW whose first game of their season this is a good chance for you to play spoiler for them and you were there like they had opportunities to win. And fortunately, uh, they couldn't get it done. And the bees did, excuse me, you um, dubbed it everything they could. It seemed to kind of help the bees along as far as winning the game, go down, miss a miss a field goal, you know, which was what, 15 or excuse me, 25 yard field goal, something like that. That was missed like that's that sucks, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden. And then you get a chance to go back down and make a play and you don't fourth and Uh, fourth and five and you don't make the play at that point so you had opportunities to win yes that sucks i don't want to say that was the the be all end all for the bees but yeah it definitely like i I feel if that happened at the end of the game it's a much different conversation this is everywhere but unfortunately like even as i'm looking through like any highlight or any you know review of the game i'm not hearing anything about nobody's saying like oh the chain gang came out and you know they 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 ruled it short it was
2: it was a really big topic on social media as it was happening Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, there is an article now oregon live talking about it and the article says that the pac-12 only had six total cameras for replay no pylon cams no good angles they only had the cameras that i guess the tv crew had Um, i don't i don't know how you can do that how can you how can you have it so that the reps don't have all of the correct available angles to to look at that. And that it shouldn't even have gotten to that point. If you look, uh, John Wilner posted a tweet 6 hours ago. He has the freeze frame of where Jamar Jefferson was and then where they spotted the ball. It's a little capture next to it next to it. They spotted Jamar Jefferson where the knee was down, but his entire rest of his body was forward. But they put the ball where his knee was. It was The fact that the side judge made that call on back-to-back plays is even more concerning, right? It's concerning that you don't have enough cameras. That's one thing. It's concerning that the, I guess, the replay officials in the booth confirmed that it was a good call. It's even worse at the line judge when all of us are watching, clear as day, and you're looking down the side from the sideline, looking down at the first down marker, and you don't see his entire body over the line.
3: You know, the, the argument a lot of people that's will make terrible. is like, well, we're at home and we got a better view and we have HD cameras and we have all these other things that we can see things the referees can't see. And in the moment, I guess I can understand some of that, you know, as far as I just I missed the call. There's so many things going on in the game that as a referee, you're watching. And I just I, I missed that.
2: But okay. you're but you're and the line I, judge. Yeah. And
3: that's what that's I'm saying. Your like There's certain people, There's certain positions that like you. Yeah, you you can't get that wrong like I understand you missing on a lot of other things but that's not something you get wrong. One thing I've I've always been so curious of is what's the what's the reprimand for for referees that blatantly get it wrong.
2: Like what's the punishment? Yeah, like I, have I no mean, clue.
3: you know, so like I think about it, NBA, NFL, you know, uh college football, hockey, major league baseball, whatever the case is. What's the 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 umpire, and I forget it a few years ago, there's somebody who was on the way to a, a no hitter. And the ump called it uh, a, a ball. Or oh. Excuse me. See, I forget what the. Oh, you mean? Happened. Oh, this is a while ago. This that was G- ago. that
2: was Jim Joyce. And it the umpire was out- so
3: he was so like
2: he was crying, crying
3: like he was like he knew he screwed up and everything mm-hmm. like that. But
2: it was um, the last out of the of the no hitter, and it was clearly out at first, and he called him safe. And I'm
3: curious: does Major League Baseball ever reach out and say, "Bro, that yeah, we're gonna fine you, or we're gonna you're gonna be suspended for a game, or you're gonna like there's there needs to be something." Put in place for referees that man clearly missed the mark and clearly blow a game like the the Saints again they should have played in the Super Bowl if they didn't it's it's all good you know moving forward but I think there needs to be some. You're type happy of, they didn't play in the Super oh, Bowl? Oh man, absolutely, I am. But you know they, that doesn't take away from the fact that they should have been in the Super Bowl. And so like I just I, I hate to see referees take moments away from from players and from teams, especially things that can really you know turn the tables of momentum during a game, that sucks. There needs to be – and I'm not sure if there is. You know, text police, please let us know if I'm wrong. You know, I'm not sure if there is anything in place, but I think that they need to be held accountable for some of these terrible – like, why is it the referees get – when you criticize the ref. If Jamar Jefferson came out after the game and said, man, that's a – that's a terrible call. Like we should have had a first down, and we should probably win that get, game.
2: Well, he wouldn't get fine, but the team, the team would, would get fine. This, the team man. would get
3: fine. Why? Because you made you said that the referee wasn't paying attention, wasn't doing his job. I, I didn't
2: is, get a chance to see any of the post game. So, B fans, if you watched any or heard any of the clips from Jonathan Smith, I honestly I went right to sleep after the game. Ended it was like eleven something. Um, did Jonathan Smith rip into it? Did he take the fine for his team?
3: I'm almost to defend positive his team. he was asked about it. Like, well, I'm sure he was. I
2: hope he did. I hope he had a little bit of uh, Moxie to just like say, you know what? Screw it. I'll take the fine because that was an atrocious call. I hope he did. I didn't I didn't get a chance to see it. Uh so beef fan text 5032501080. Let us know. We do have a couple of texts. One says I try my best to avoid blaming refs. But as a beef fan, that was one of the most lopsided and terribly officiated games I've ever seen. 100 percent cheated. I get it. Um there was also now this is less about the refs being bad and more about the the letter of the law, but there was a targeting call on the Beeves late in the fourth quarter as well. Um, that it was the uh, UW quarterback, the freshman, he was running and he was a runner. He wasn't sliding. He was full on running. And uh, the B linebacker came over or safety came over and hit him really hard, knocked him down before the first down marker. And they called targeting after a review. He did lower his helmet, but the quarterback also ducked into it and they called targeting and threw him out of the game, and he's going to miss the first half of uh, the next game as well. Um, that wasn't a bad call because it was correct by the letter of the law, but it was another moment of just like the Bees feeling like they were getting completely
3: yeah.
2: screwed because that stopped them to a fourth and three, and they called targeting, and they, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct, which first down, it changed again, it c- continued to change the complexion of the game, and that was a huge stop too. I think that's what allowed. Yeah, that allowed UW to get closer and then kick the field goal.
3: Yeah, and that, was that, that fourth down play? And that targeting play is it's such a, it's not it's a weird one to call. You know it when you see it, but there are still sometimes you're like yeah, I don't know if that was targeting or if that was just a quarterback bracing for the hit and a, a a defender trying to make a play that you've been making since you were playing Pop Warner. And I think that's where it's kind of weird. So I, I also I didn't like I said I didn't see the game. Forgive me. So I don't know exactly what the tar- I'm going to look it up and see what it looked like, but. You know, it's I don't I just I hate to know see that referees, you know, at any point may have gotten it wrong. You know, and and if he was indeed that far over the, you know, over the line, then it should have been Beev's ball. But these are the mistakes that you see in games and it's hard in real time. You know, unfortunately the game isn't played in slow motion. It's played in real time. And so referees aren't making calls in slow motion. They're making them in real time. So yeah, but the, then they're reviewing the moment, calls then, in slow motion. And that's the thing. But then when you go to the review, it's like now you have no you have no reason to get this wrong. So you should be able to get this right nine and a half out of 10 times.
2: Tax 503-250-1080 also got this one. Uh, I'm a Ducks fan. I agree it was a horrible spot. I was rooting for both teams to lose, but the Bees definitely got got hosed on that one. I think it's universally considered a terrible call. I'm very curious to hear what the Pac-12 has to say about it. I'm sure they're going to have to come out and, and talk about the officiating crew in some way, shape, or form. They tend to talk about it when... Uh, after a game or on Monday, you know, they'll they'll send a release. Pac-12 officials were wrong, blah, 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 blah. So we'll see what happens with that. But I know that the Beavs had other chances. And I know we got a break. And I kind of want to keep talking about this. So I'll just throw it in quickly because we got to do Ducks next. Is actually, no. We'll do Ducks later. We'll do this. Fantasy Scramble, then Ducks. How about that? Well, good. We can, we can be on the fly. We can do things on the fly. Why not? We're a radio show. We're not regimented. We're not stuck. More on the, on the Beavs game next because I think the Ducks the Ducks win was good, but the Beavs game had the talking points to me. So more on the Beavs next. Football Sunday on the Fan.
1: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
2: Nine twenty-two on your Sunday morning. We're here with you till eleven o'clock, leading you into Seahawks Rams pregame. That game is at 125 today. And a bit of a nice twist, actually, NFL-wise, before we get back to the Beavs here, is there's an even amount of games in each window. I think there's six games at the 10 o'clock window and six games at the 1 o'clock window. Instead of it being like 8 and (laughs) 2, we actually have a full day of Red Zone watching where it's going to be back and forth between a lot of games. I mean, that should be fun. How about that? Also, if you uh, are interested in fantasy football and need help on setting your lineup or trades or other things, text your questions to the fan text line at 503-250-1080. We will get to as many of them as we can with Jesse Osmond next here on The Fan. But, Beavs. Lose to Washington yesterday. Now 0-2 to start the year. You know, I did say, and I do believe this, I think the refs hosed the game for the Beavs. I know there were other opportunities. I understand that the Beavs had a couple of drives after that, that that sequence of bad spots, but the Beavs would have taken a lead. They would have had all the momentum, and I think they would have won the game because of that. We did get this. I got this DM on Instagram from Alex. Uh, well, yes, the Beavs, or on uh, Twitter, sorry. Uh, the Beavs got bad calls. The play of Jebbia didn't help at all. There wasn't one point on that final drive where anyone on the planet thought he was getting a TD drive. That was going to be my point that I wanted to bring up, and we got a little bit of time here, so that's where I wanted to go is – Tristan Jevia looked horrific yesterday, especially on that final drive. You needed you needed him to be able to throw the football, which he hadn't done all game. I mean, you had run the ball basically eighty percent of your plays so far in the game and had been working. So why stop, right? But Jevia on that last drive had three consecutive passes tipped. The third one he threw it into his own offensive lineman's helmet, and that was I think that was the fourth down play, and that was it. That was the end of the game. UW kneeled the ball out, and that was it. I know it's only two games, but I don't know if Jebby is the guy. People were super excited about him coming in because he was a transfer from Nebraska, and it was like, oh, they got three transfers from Nebraska in the same offseason. Look at that. He used to be a four-star recruit. But there was a little bit of talk that maybe the J.C. guy they got, um, I think his name is Chance Nolan, is going to was going to actually win the starting job this year if he had a regular season, not a COVID season where he actually had time to get acclimated to the system. I mean, watching Jebbia on that last drive was ugly 11 of 24 for 85 yards and a pick. Yeah, just kind of 3.5 yards per completion. Now you ran the ball 167 yards, almost five yards a carry, and Jefferson was the main guy for that. But at some point you need to throw the football and Jebia could not.
3: And Washington knew that at the end of the game, towards the fourth quarter. Well they knew uh, that from the beginning. Well I, think. I mean they did, but they absolutely they knew where the ball was going. Jamar Jefferson at that point had, had phenomenal game and you know, his last few rushes, you know, really, you know, into the end of the third quarter going into the fourth, um, Jamar Jefferson had rushes seven yards, six yards, three yards, and then he had two straight with no for no gain, and then they had to punt. And then from there, UW end up getting the field goal. And, you know, that pretty much made the score 27 to 21 at that point. But Jebia had an opportunity to throw the ball. And I think they just knew that, man, we know where the ball is going. They've been – Jamar Jefferson had been completely shredding them for the entire evening. And then all of a sudden, okay, we know where it's going. He's not going to throw it. He got stuffed twice. And so you're going to need to make a play with your arm. It's, it's the day of – I don't want to say Eric Crouch, where you can just be a running quarterback. Those days are over. Like I mean, you you can still be okay for a couple games So you're playing Appalachian State or something like that. But when you're playing, hey, like, App
2: State's pretty good.
3: Okay, well, historically Appalachian State has not been pretty good. They're better now, but they well, used to the be a laughing stuff on in college football when you played, you know, NCAA 2004, 06 or whatever. Man, you put Appalachian State on your. On your uh, schedule, because I think you you're misremembering, it dude.
2: Because App State used to be FCS, you would have put FCS East on your schedule. No, I'm
3: not. I'm not misremembering at all. The Appalachian State, <laughs> App State only was has
2: only been an FBS team for like five years.
3: Well, when they when they were not, you know, when they mm. were they were pretty terrible. I mean, yes, SBS seemed fine, but still, you put them up against, you know, Oregon Maybe Michigan or Michigan like that one year. That one year, man, who doesn't beat Michigan though anymore? Well, now, yeah, yeah, everyone beats Michigan, so that's not saying much anymore. But either way, I'm 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 looking at this this Beaver team, and I did see the game last week. And while you have some great spots to be really happy about, and I, I'm, you're not going to play UW every week, but you need you're going to need to need to pass the ball. You're going to need to move the ball. It's my same argument about Cam Newton. Like, look how well that's working out for the Patriots. Like, I mean, if you can't throw the ball downfield, you're going to have a problem. And that's exactly where Jebby is right now. So, you know, coach and coaching staff, and they're going to have to figure out how they're going to move forward because this is not sustainable. Given the, You're going to hurt Jefferson. Keep giving him the ball like that, you know, every down, just to go out there and make magic for you. That's that's how you run your running back into the ground.
2: All right. We'll talk some Oregon Ducks coming up after the fantasy scramble, but coming up next, if you have fantasy start sick questions, text them in now, 503-250-1080. All We'll call Jesse Osmond. We'll get his advice on the phone as well as ours and to try to help you to a week 10 win. If you're like me, you are fighting against all the injuries and death on your team just to keep yourself in the playoff hunt. Uh, I learned this week that I lost David Johnson and Justin Jackson to the IR for three weeks. So I'm smiling. (laughs) I would Yay. Uh, I'm four and five and trying desperately to get back into the playoff hunt, and I hate everything. So I'm going to try and help you be better than me, and uh, Jesse and Rashad will help as well. That's next. Text 503-250-1080.
1: 1st Joe has sports. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice.
3: The only reason my team finished as terrible
1: as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single
3: player on my team was hurt.
1: This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan.
2: All right, my team is in absolute shambles, so hopefully your team is doing better than mine and we can help you. Jesse Osmond joins us as he does every single Sunday that we have a show. At 9.30 to help with fantasy. What's up, Jesse? Good morning.
4: Hold on. I pressed the wrong button. Firing all on. now.
2: is he on now? No, give me a sec. Oh, okay. Do, 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 do. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? While Joe figures that out, let's uh, let's start, and we'll get Jesse's opinion after we get Jesse back on the phone. First question that came in. Barely limping into this week and need one at running back and a half-point PPR. Me too, friend. Me too. Uh, JD McKissick or Kalen Balage. That's the situation that a lot of people are finding themselves in that's not overly extreme. Trust me, I'm also in that same situation. Um, if it's a PPR, I'm going to go with McKissick on this one. He's actually been really good uh, this year in terms of PPR leagues. In my half-point PPR league, he's been averaging 8, 9, 10 points a game the last couple of weeks. So against the Detroit defense, that isn't great. I'm going to go with McKissick. Plus, Balazs, I'm not so sure, is, uh, is going to get as many carries as people think. He's going to split with Kelly and Pope as well. So Jesse's back on the line, Jesse, uh, full point PPR JD McKissick or Kalen Balazs. I just said JD
3: McKissick. I'm also going to oh, say, man.
4: Oh, sorry. Oh, my bad. Jesse.
3: Go ahead. I was going to say McKissick as well. I think last week he had like, I want to say like eight or nine catches out of the backfield. So um, at least they're looking to go to him. So I'm going to go ahead and say McKissick as well in the PPR.
4: Yeah. Full point PPR um, McKissick has probably the safest floor, It's always interesting to play those guys in the revenge game, but you have Troy Troy Lane Pope coming back this week, and they still like fitting Joshua Kelly in there. It seems like the lead back's going to probably get about 40, maybe 50% of the touches, and they're going to split it up between the other guys, or they're just going to ride the hot hand. So it's hard to predict that type of backfield, whereas J.D. McKissick now with Alex Smith, who just admittedly likes dumping off, uh, to his running back on a, on a regular basis is going to give him in a PPR a really high floor and a you know possibly a pretty decent feeling as well. Uh, so I I'm, I'm,
2: I'm starting Tremaine Pope in my league this week because I have nobody. <laughs>
4: uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad play. i he's looked really good in his opportunities. That's what makes Bellage scary is that they could just go right back to Pope
2: yeah the, that's the uh, it's the desperation of my league where everybody's on buy or hurt or dead. Um, all right. Next question. Wide receiver and flex, Sterling Shepard, Juju Smith Schuster, or Chase Edmonds? Uh, Kenyon Drake is back. I did see he is going to play today, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean a negative game for Chase Edmonds. Edmonds had some of his best games this year when Drake was the number one and Edmonds was the main pass catching back. Uh, I'm going to go with Edmonds and I'm going to go with Juju Smith Schuster, who. Actually looked the part for the first time in a while last week. He has not had a good year. Uh, The Steelers are undefeated and the Steelers look great, but Smith Schuster has not been great. I'm going to go with him and Edmonds, though. I don't trust Daniel Jones. I know Shepard came back last week and looked okay, but I'd rather take, uh, I'm assuming Big Ben is playing this week and not out with COVID. I think he's playing. Um, I'd rather take Smith Schuster with Big Ben and then Chase Edmonds for his uh, high potential pop rate there.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Edmonds and uh, Smith Smith Schuster for the same reasons you said last week uh, against Dallas. He looked good and he looked like he was his old self. So Smith Schuster and Edmonds, it is.
4: I'm I'm going to have to go with Edmonds, and I'm you know. Miss Schuster, I believe, could have an okay day. This is what worries me about Steelers today, is that in Cincinnati, you're looking at winds of 25 to 30 miles an hour with gusts up to 50 today. And uh, you're also talking about a quarterback who didn't practice with his team at all this week. Um, it. It worries me, and and when you look at it, uh, when you just look at the statistics, you're looking at a 17% drop in fantasy points when you're talking about wind over 20 miles an hour. So uh, is is there enough points to go around there? Are they just going to go with James Conner and feed the ground game against a a defense that honestly probably is going to have a hard time containing their ground game? So I'm probably going to stay away from Juju and go with Sterling Shepard, I think, and Now, now this is the, 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 the caveat is, I is um, can't remember, New York, I believe the Giants are playing at home at Gillette Stadium. They have a similar issue with wind as well. So it's, it's kind of like pick your poison. Juju Smith-Schuster, the one thing that you can't say is a short area target. And if there's one way that the, the passing game is going to work this week, it's going to be the short area target. So um, I, I would probably go Sterling Shepard just from the other facts of, um, you know, no practice time with Big Ben and the Uh, Wings.
2: Non-PPR, need one of these guys in the flex. Marvin Jones Jr., Jarek McKinnon, Ronald Jones, or DJ Moore. I always tend to lean running back in these situations uh, in a non-PPR. So in that case, I would pick McKinnon over Jones, but I also kind of feel like, DJ Moore might be the best player available here, even though his last few weeks haven't been quite as good. So I think I'm going to lean McKinnon on this one, uh, but I wouldn't be upset if you chose DJ Moore there, but those would be the two that I would pick.
3: Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go McKinnon just for the simple fact that he just had a better game last week than um, than Jones did. Um, yeah,
4: Jarek McKinnon. All right, what, what were the options? One more time, please. It was
2: Marvin Jones, Jarek McKinnon, Ronald Jones, and DJ Moore non PPR for a flex.
4: You know, I'm probably just going to go both running backs here. Or, or uh, there's just one option here for the flex. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, M- Marvin Jones or Jarek McKinnon. This is kind of a pick your own poison. Um, I I'm actually I'm playing Ronald Jones this week. I'm not one of the guys that believes that he lost his job last week. He lost you know, touches to the to game script. And then the week before he, you know, he's working for a guy that does not tolerate mistakes. He fumbled the ball. He lost the, the gig for the week. So with that said, um, Jarek McKinnon, I think has the highest ceiling lowest floor. I think I do believe Jones has a better floor. And I think he has a decent ceiling this week. Um, so I'm going to start one of my running backs. It all depends on if you think you need the high floor or the safe ceiling. Or, or the or the the safe floor, high ceiling. So if you want the safe floor, go Ronald Jones. If you want the high ceiling, go Derek McKinnon. Uh,
2: need your boys' help. Tons of injuries over here. Need to. Kalen Balazs, Tremon Pope, J.K. Dobbins, Corderell Patterson, or Kenyon Drake. Um, I would actually – out of all of these, I think I would go with Patterson, surprisingly. Uh, we know David Montgomery is out with uh, a concussion, and I actually do tend to like Corderell Patterson when he gets a lot of carries in the backfield for the Bears. So I'm going to go with him there. I'm so torn on Balaj and Pope because they're going to split carries with Kelly as well. I think you have a lot of pop potential with Pope because he catches a lot of passes. Um that's really tough. And then Dobbins has kind of taken the reins as kind of the main back in Baltimore and Drake is playing. Oh my God. Um, I think I'm going to go Patterson and I think I'm going to go Pope on that one, but I'm going to, I'm going to double check while Rashad and, and Jesse uh, give you their opinions because I need to go look at some things oh, real man. quick. That's, That's a really tough question.
3: I think I'm going to go Bellage and Patterson.
2: Bellage and Patterson. Okay.
4: Um. You know, I, you might, I might sound crazy, uh, but the matchup's great, and I might just go Bellage and Pope together. I think they both could have a good game. You, you've seen this so many times with um, Anthony Lynn as the head coach and the running back. Not just like we've seen this with Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. We've seen it multiple times this year with Pick Your Running Back in that backfield where two backs have had good days, especially if, if it's in PPR because they he uses his backs really well and he gets them touches. So I, I would, I mean, I would not be opposed to actually running Balaj and Pope and uh, thinking that ah, those guys could easily combine for 30 points.
2: Is there any thought of putting Drake in there? Cause I'm looking here. I mean, he is going to play when he plays, he gets 15 carries a game at least. Is there a I, thought for that I, or?
4: Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a thought for that. I mean, um, it's one of those things too, where it, there's a there's a lot of variables right Uh, playing a guy off of injury uh, especially a guy that was so close to a a a literal um, game time decision are they going to give him his normal workload or are they going to fire him up and then after the first series find out that he wasn't ready to go and then it is the chase Edmonds show so that's the concern there um, uh, but at the same time, you're looking at a guy that when he is on the field, he has been a guy that's been getting a minimum of 15 touches and he gets typically probably close more to 20. Um, that's a guy it's hard to shy away from. So yes, I think there is a lot of consideration there, but there is that you have to be willing to accept. He goes out for a, a series. Doesn't work out and he doesn't play for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's a huge risk.
2: I think that might be the toughest fantasy question we have ever had on yeah, the show doing it for tough. five or so years. I Yeah. We all split was, we all gave different answers. It's really difficult situation. I'm so sorry. Um flex spot, non PPR, Cooper Cup, Emmanuel Sanders, Jamal Williams. This is cause I lost David Johnson. Um I mean I know it's non PPR, but against that Seattle defense, you can't not start Cooper Cup this week. You have Cooper, I mean, he's the number one receiver on the team. Seattle's passing defense is hysterically bad. Uh, I'm going to go Cooper Cup over the other options
3: there. Yeah, you kind of have to go Cooper Cup. You know, uh, Jamal Williams has been okay. Emmanuel, Emmanuel Sanders, I didn't even know that guy I was still playing right now. But uh, Cooper Cup is definitely, again, he's the number one. Seattle's defense is horrendous. And so I think that's where you got to go. It's pretty easy.
4: I'm an Emmanuel Sanders guy, but not this week. Um Definitely going to shy away from him in a situation. I know Cooper Cup this year hasn't necessarily been as prolific in the red zone as he has been in the past, but this is a guy that's had a real nose for the end zone. Um, Jared Goff has fed him um, around the end zone. So I'm going to fire him up against a historically bad, 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 bad defense and go, hey, you know, maybe we're going to see vintage Cooper Cup today.
2: And then this is another tough one because it's a non-PPR. You got Juju Smith-Schuster. You got Ayuk on the Niners, Leonard Fournette, and DJ Dallas. Now, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyder out again for the Seahawks. So Dallas and Travis Homer will be getting the bulk of the carries for Seattle. And Dallas has actually taken advantage of it with a couple of touchdowns the last few weeks. Like Jesse said, some people think Fournette may have taken the job away from Ronald Jones last week. And then Ayuk's been huge and he's healthy again but he's such a big PPR guy that I'm not sure I could trust him in a non PPR league. I always tend to lean running back in non PPR. So because of that, I think I'm going to go DJ Dallas out of all four of these options. Actually.
3: Mm. Yeah, but not, I tend to go with, you know, who's going to get me points. And from them, I'm no for sure. Well, maybe not for sure, but I think Juju's probably be where I would go there.
4: Yeah. Um, you know, um, I really like Brandon Ayuk this week. You're still looking at a team that is m- missing. It's devoid of pass catchers, let's face it. Um, Devo Samuel's out this week. You obviously don't have Kittle. Um, they fed Richie James last week. I don't know if you guys uh, saw what Richie da- James oh, did. Yeah against green bay but green bay actually is a terrible matchup for wide receivers i'm i'm actually going to expect a a pretty and and this is unfortunate i'm playing him this week but i'm expecting a pretty decent day um from brandon Iuk and i would be excited to fire him up
2: all right that was the last question there jesse thank you again as always for hopping on and helping good luck this week and uh, we will talk to you next week
4: thank you guys good luck all
2: right let's uh let's get into some uh, ducks football huh Why not? Let's get into some Ducks football. They had a win against Wazoo yesterday, but a little closer than most people expected. That's next. Football Sunday on the fan.
1: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080. The fan. (laughs)
2: 950 here on your
1: Sunday morning,
2: Mike and Rashad and Joe with you till 11 o'clock. We got Hated or Leather coming up at 1030 and we'll switch to the NFL once we finish our conversation about Oregon's win. Hey, Joe. over Washington State. You got to get us some better music, bro. Oh, yeah. This song was
3: from like, I think this This is is the first started.
2: Yeah, this is the very first one. Yeah. If you want to take take over some of the music and just throw your own stuff in there, feel free. Just make sure it doesn't suck. Joe usually has pretty good music taste.
4: I can do that. I can work on that. I can update the bumper music a little bit. The
2: amount of times that Rashad has asked me to do it and I never remember to do it. I mean, it. we
4: just, because, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's,
3: yes, it's important. Like, we, we were going to change the, the intro song to, um, Sports Sunday like four years ago and we literally just got around to it like last year. Last year. Or year, year yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it's just one of those things. Oh, I man. get
4: it, man. I mean, we started from the bottom and now we're here. Now so. we're
3: still yeah. at the,
4: now we're still at the still bottom. At the bottom. <laughs> so might as well change it up, right?
2: Um, yeah. The funny thing is, at some point, a lot of those songs got deleted, but the music rotator only had like four songs in it. So every week it was the same four, and I was like, let me just put some of those old ones back in there. Why not? Don't you want to hear Drake again? No. <laughs> I, I would be
3: okay if I didn't hear Drake for a very long time. I'll put singing Drake Ooh, in there. you feel How that about way about that? Drake, huh? <laughs> I mean, listen, Drake is... That's good. No, I'm, no, no, no. I'm fine with that because okay. I also hate Drake. I'm not. No, see, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Drake. I think I don't he's wanna, terrible. I don't, I see. I don't think he's terrible. I think he's it, not true. oversaturated. He's you know? terrible. <laughs> and his lines like, are awful. Cause when, no, cause when Drake is really rapping, like he's, he's really fresh. But when he's Do you singing, want corny
2: metaphors? listen to Drake. No,
3: That's like every rapper Yeah, though. there's I And mean, I mean, every rapper has and, terrible and lines. And the whole part like
2: Yeah, well, but Drake has like 90% terrible well, lines. because
3: Drake isn't, you know, cuz Drake oh. is not a he's not a he's not a gangster, right? He doesn't he doesn't have a lot of content to talk about like and mind you, does that matter? Not, yeah, man. Cuz listen, rap is a is a is a, a one genre of music like the blues, it, it's about struggle, you know, for the most part. It's Battle, about yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's about authenticity and like you know, Drake grew up rich, you know, for the most part. Like, he grew up, like, he was on Degrassi. He was making Canadian money for, you know, for years. He was Wheelchair Jimmy. You started know, for, from the
4: wheelchair, now I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> like, he started
3: from, like, bare minimum the middle. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, you didn't really start from the bottom. Like, as far as rap, I might give you that, that you started from the bottom because he is talented, but it was one of them things, man. Like, after at this point, it's been, like, 12 years of Drake being the guy. So, I think for anybody, you know, it, it's time to... Hear a new voice and stuff. i never I liked drake
2: like so he was never the guy for me and i will continue to not like drake and drake's drake, got bars man. you cannot change your opinion
3: oh man my uh, opinion over the opinion. Uh, the motto like drake has got some he's got bars but then when he starts singing that's when i'm like okay you lose me
2: ducks won 43 29 over wazoo yesterday four o'clock fox game there and my big overarching takeaway was very simply Look at the difference having a competent offensive coordinator makes. You bring in Joe Moorhead, you replace Marcus Arroyo, and all of a sudden the Ducks offense, oh, I don't know, does things at all. And scores and has really interesting play calls and is able to get down the field.
4: I didn't even know Royals a so bad. I didn't even know a pass downfield was a thing <laughs> in the Ducks' offense until this season.
2: I didn't know that you could throw the ball when you had a third and long. Air yeah, yards. You got, you got to have, a, got to have a
4: receiver
3: to catch him, though. Like, is that weird? Like, Rashad, are you are the important. only
2: person who has ever defended numbers Marcus don't lie, bro,
3: because numbers don't lie.
2: You are the only person who has ever defended that terrible, terrible, numbers terrible offensive. The numbers don't
3: lie, man. You can say what you want to at the end of the day, but the numbers were there. Well, the Numbers are
2: better under Joe Moorhead. It's amazing it's watching an offense. It's two games. When you were t- – <laughs> Jesus, sure. Just
3: saying, man. Like, <laughs> I'm a lot of things. A hater is not one of them, man. And that's uh, – I feel like – You're
2: being too kind to a terrible offensive coordinator. Man, I, you I, are. I disagree. 19-7, Washington State was leading. The final score, 43-29 as Oregon completely – Ran away with the game in the second half and got very fortunate at the end of the first half that Jalen Red got behind the defense for that 60 some yard pass from Tyler Shuck that got him down to the two yard line. And then they ran him for the touchdown to make it close. That was a huge momentum shift because they got the ball at the second half. But seriously, my overarching takeaway was very clearly Joe Moorhead knows what the F he's doing. And Tyler Shuck, in his first year starting at quarterback as a red shirt sophomore, Goes 21 for 30 for 312 yards, four touchdowns, and one pick. Looking incredible in his second start. And a lot of it is because Moorhead's calling plays where the guy, the receivers are meant to be open. They, they're doing the the run-pass option that leads to the play-action pass. They did that a couple of times to D, DJ Johnson, which worked a couple of times, including for a touchdown. Um, they do the run-pass run option, quick throw over the middle because he reads the linebacker or the safety and the wide receivers wide open. And most of those bad throws from Shuck were in the first half when he was just slightly off. He was thrown behind receivers a couple of times. He was on one in the second half. He was really, really good. And oh, yeah, don't forget, C.J. Verdell is a beast. So Waddu played really well. They had the lead early thanks to three turnovers from the Ducks on three consecutive possessions. But talent won out at the end, and Oregon got the win.
3: No, I thought it was a, a great kind of gritty win for, for the Ducks because – it would have been easy to get down on yourself, you know, after being down, going into the, going to the half. And they were down with 19 seven at a point, you know, and so to be able to come back and really make it the game that you made it, especially, um, right. Going into halftime kind of gave yourself just a little momentum. And then when you came back, like that, uh, that play, that throw to Travis Dye in the third quarter into the end zone was great in the deep ball to Travis Dye, like in the middle of the fourth, I believe it was, was, was amazing. And you saw, Tyler Shuck and go, holy hell, man, this, this guy, this guy is pretty good. You know, like, and I, and I think that was, that was the big question mark because towards the end of the season last year for the Ducks, you started to see that you had your impact players. C.J. Verdell had really started to emerge as one of those guys, man. Travis Dye started to emerge. And then Jalen Red all of a sudden, like all everything kind of came together towards uh, the end of the season for the Ducks, barring the loss to, was it Utah? Who they who they played, they on Arizona, Arizona State. Yeah. They beat Utah. Yeah, uh, barring that loss to them, like everything came together. And so all those guys were talking about Verdell and Jalen Red and you know, Travis Dye, they had they figured it out. Now Tyler Shutt comes in and just says, Okay, I got this. Let me go. He had that just a beautiful just if you look at the the replay, he threw a spiral to Travis Dye in the end zone. It was like, man, that's a beautiful pass. Like man, it was some slow motion. Like the ball, just it, you know. Usually, so some... you're talking
2: about the long one where no,
3: no, it was the, it was the I want to say like maybe 15 yards or something like that. I don't know how. Oh yeah, that... he did have two touchdowns. Yeah, catchers, so yeah. it was that first one that he had. It was like, ooh, what a good pass! And like they showed it in slow motion and just the, the rotation on the ball. was like, wow, that's that's beautiful. So it looks like you got a got yourself another really, really, really good quarterback in Tyler Shuck. But I mean, for the most part, I'm looking at this Oregon team, the defense. Came up big in the second half because it could have been really easy to just go back and forth with Washington State. You know, Washington State historically hasn't been afraid to to air it out or and, beat the
2: Ducks, frankly,
3: or, or or just flat out beat the Ducks. But you know, their defense came to play. You know, and you, you got to really respect where the Ducks are so far. You know, Nick uh, Nick Pickett, you know, was was everywhere.
2: No. no. No, no, don't don't be misled by the tackles. No, but I mean, Pickett he, was terrible he, yesterday. He, I mean,
3: but I'm saying, but you, but you said st- terrible, and that's the thing, terrible. But still, let the team and tackle Still Dude, let the team and solo. Tackles, he got burned like so many did. times, yes. and then got
2: ejected for targeting.
3: No, he got a, of course, but yet and still, all he that being terrible. said, all that being said, he still got ejected and everything, and still was the best player on the on the defense at that point. You know, next to Kevon Thibodeau. So, I mean, uh, this team still has a lot to work on. You know, obviously uh, on on the defensive end, but. As far as where the ducks usually are, uh, well, my, and you have to be, you have to be mindful. This is only their second game, but where they usually are at this point in the season, where we're saying, "Man, the defense sucks," and this is bad, and where's the running game? And that, I, I don't see any of those issues right now.
2: Well, let's get to the defense and a little bit more on the ducks coming up next. Uh, next hour, we will have hate It or Love it, and we will we are kind of right at a little over the halfway mark of the NFL season, so we're kind of just take a take a gather of where we are right now as well. But let's uh, wrap up the ducks win over Wazoo next. This is Football Sunday
0: on the Fan. Yeah.